George Ade was a prolific writer in the early part of the 1900s. I once read an interview of his mother by a man who was not an admirer of her son's work, and he was indelicate enough to ask her about George's alleged capricious style and wobbly structure and shallow characterizations. Finally, Mrs. Aid had enough. Oh, I know that many people can write better than George does, she said, but George does. George does. It's one of the finest things anybody ever said. In two words, it crystallizes what happens with so many people, me included, namely, they get an idea, they tell some people about it, the people all say, wow, that's great, and then they go on to something else and never do anything more about the idea they told people about. I think the reason is that, wow, that's great, is reward enough. It gives you the nice warm glow that comes from knowing you got a really good idea that everybody thinks you're a whiz. But if nothing else happens with your idea, if it doesn't help someone, if it doesn't save or fix or create something, if it doesn't make something better or solve some problem, what good is it really? That, my friends, is the introduction to chapter 15 in the book, How to Get Ideas by Jack Foster. I'm listening on Audible. So that was the voice of Johnny Heller. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 133 of Exactly Enough Time. its title, you might think that this is a podcast about productivity. And while I love to get stuff done, exactly enough time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love, I love books about ideas and bringing more of whatever that is into your life. I am a life enthusiast and a believer. In this podcast, I interview interesting people with expertise and solutions. Together, we talk about what they do and why they do it. Listen up. I think you'll find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. Hello! Oh my goodness, I have missed you! It is so good to be back. Okay, you guys, listen. My son Trey just started a brand new semester at college. He is in the advertising program at BYU and he is listening to the book, How to Get Ideas. And he messaged me and he said, Mom, you would really like this book. So I started listening because I really do like books about ideas. But you are not going to believe who my guest is today. My guest is the author of the book, What Do You Do With an Idea? Kobe Yamada is an inspirational author who is the creator of many inspirational gift books and ideas. 
He is also the president of Compendium, a company composed of amazing people doing amazing things. Stay tuned for an amazing conversation with Kobe Yamada. Kobe Yamada, this is a really big deal for me because I have been a super fan for so many years. I am so excited to have you on my podcast. Hello. Oh, Stacy, I'm really excited to be here as well. So I I can't imagine that there are people in the world that don't know you, Kobe. <laughs> um, I think, but just in case, right? Just in case, what I actually believe is that most of the people listening to me, kind of creative women, um, I, I think that they have all been influenced by you, by your creativity and, and your words and books, but they might not know that it's you. Do you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> you do all these amazing, I don't know, gift books and just children's books and, and people don't always check to see who the author is. Anyway, I want you to start and just introduce yourself and your company. Just tell me what you want to tell me. Well, you know, I think that's that's a pretty common thing, Stacy. that uh, uh, I, I'm probably more known for some of the, the books that I've, I've created or helped to create than, uh, than by my name. So uh, my name is Kobe Yamada and I'm the, the president and CEO of Compendium. Yeah. And we have been making inspiring products for years. I'm also a, a children's book author, and maybe some of your audience might know some of my books, uh, like uh, What You Do With an Idea, or Maybe, or Trying, or things like that. But uh, uh, you know, for years, we've been able to make everything from greeting cards to journals to gift books to children's books, and uh, I, I find myself you know, in that sort of pinch me moment where I think I, I have the best job in the world getting to work with really, really creative people doing products that we hope make a positive difference. Right, Kobe, that's amazing. That's exactly, I think you deal in inspiration and I can't think of a place that, um, that I would rather be. I try to do the same, but on a much, much smaller scale. So just, I wasn't going to ask you this necessarily, but what are you excited about right now at Compendium? Like what's happening today that's exciting? Oh, you know, I, I think there's there's two things. One is uh, it's exciting to be reinventing the way that we work together as a team uh, mm. we've, we've, in a more virtual environment. Um, and so leaning on tools and, and creating uh, moments for each other and get togethers that are mm. all about culture and um, the feel of being human beings together, uh, not mm -hmm. necessarily just the work. And then from WorkWise, uh, I'm getting ready to uh, introduce a new children's book called Noticing. And uh, I'm getting to team up with Elise Hurst, who uh, did the book Trying with me. And, uh, and this is going to be, uh, I think, a very special book. She's done such a wonderful job of hiding things within the illustrations, uh, and which obviously ties into the, to the theme of the book. But... Um, huh but also about how we have so much in the world to notice and appreciate uh, all around us and inside us. I love that. So I would actually love to know just for fun. Um, when was, when did you know Kobe that you loved words and that words would play a big role in your life and in your work? Do you remember that time or that moment? Yes, I do. I, I was a, I was a, in my tweens to teens age and, uh, you know, was sort of introduced to the 
to the power of words and the and the the power of inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't uh, grew up in a house that was a wonderful house to grow up in, but we didn't have much financially. And uh, and I think that just the life skill of learning how to dream and learning how to aspire to things that are maybe different than what you grew up in um, mm. is a new is a new skill and uh, and that fascinated me it fascinated me that you could imagine a, a life and a, a, a experience you wanted to live differently mm-hmm. maybe than the one that you were in and mm. that you could be part of creating that and so uh, that became an interest of mine way back then and uh, and it it led me through obviously, starting businesses and school and things like that. Um, I was the kind of kid that had, you know, eight paper routes, um, <laughs> uh, very entrepreneurial. But when I found Compendium and Dan Zadra, who founded the company, uh, they were mainly doing corporate work, things like vision, mission, values, and things like that. And oh. I ended up uh, turning down the job that I was going to do out of college and, and joining Compendium and uh, have been there ever since. Wow. That's so fascinating to me, but you're right, right? Just this idea. And and teenagers need that so much. I mean, everybody needs that, but, you know, thinking about something that you don't have, creating it, imagining it, and then, oh my goodness, that's awesome. So what was your very first published book and, and what did you think would happen? And maybe what has been different than what you originally thought? Um, My first published book was with, was with Compendium. And I think it, I thought of it as just part of the job, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, in other words, when I said we started, uh, when I came to the company, we were doing corporate work, we didn't really own any intellectual property. We were just doing it for clients. Right. And so that was more my idea to start making things that had to do with maybe love or friendship or parenting mm-hmm. or things, you know, things that would be more about the emotional journey in life and a little bit less about, um, corporate values. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, then we had to figure out where we'd sell that kind of product, and that would be in stores and things like that. So that was a whole journey. But the the one of the first books I'd written was called Ever Wonder, and that was a book of questions, inspiring questions, yeah. questions that weren't really about necessarily just finding an answer for, you know, where do you draw the line between possible and impossible, or when was the last time you did something for the first time? Uh-huh. Things like that were, would be more about changing the pattern you were thinking about and, uh, and maybe, uh, interrupting it in a way that might leave you in a place that was a little more curious and a little more inspired. And, um, so it's never really been my goal to be an author, to be perfectly honest. It wasn't really, a an arc that way. It was to support compendiums work and to figure out unique and, and exciting ways to bring inspiration into the world and authoring books became just part of the gig. Then as I wrote later on um, books like she and five and, uh, <laughs> and I wrote five with, uh, with Dan Zadra and, uh, and then, you know, my first picture book, what do you do with an idea in 2014? Um, I wasn't quite ready for that. You know, that that's, that yeah. has really launched me into the author space, um, yeah. making it on New York Times bestseller and and some subsequent books that way. Um, it almost leaves me with like a dual career of needing to uh, 
be both the author and the and the company president. Um, so no complaints. It's really fun to have that diversity to work on. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't something I necessarily sought out. That's so interesting. I and I remember the Everwonder book, and that's so funny you would mention that question because that was my favorite one. When was the last time you did something for the first time? I can't tell you. You know, as you're talking about these books, she, you know, I'm just remembering periods of my life where they spoke to me exactly, you know, in a way that I needed to, um, yeah, just to, it helped me think different. You know, when I was busy with young children and, and working in a job that I didn't think that I wanted necessarily. And, you know, launching, you know, the sort of the online world was just beginning. And anyway, it was crazy. But I have to tell you if it's okay. Um, and I, I actually am holding it. I was in the Denver airport. Okay. And I traveled a ton. I was um, editor of a magazine at the time and I had some time to kill. So I was just browsing this little shop and I picked up these really happy, bright postcards. And each postcard had a quote on it. And I remember just standing there for minutes, you know, just picking, like I would just read each postcard. And as I read the words, I thought, well, that reminds me of a certain experience or time in my life or memory. Um, and then, like, for example, this one you wrote, Kobe, I was flipping through these cards today. Sometimes you just have to take the leap and build your wings on the way down. Kobe Amada. So I bought probably about 22 of these postcards and I brought them home and I printed pictures or I found pictures that would illustrate what those words meant to me on the back. So on the back of your quote, I put a picture of me skydiving. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> but, um, and I, the, I just thought this is such a clever idea. You know, women with pictures that are overwhelmed and, you know, what do you do with them all are going to love this. So I actually put it in, in a book that we published, you know for the magazine that I worked for. But anyway, that was my exposure to Compendium. And I also bought a, a couple other little things in that airport store. But I remember in my office one day, I think I was supposed to be writing and I just opened my desk drawer and here was some Compendium products. And I thought, I need to know who these people are. And I thought- Well, I'm glad you did. And you know, Stacey, <laughs> it's, it's neat because that's what I think the- power of words or a single thought can do is, yeah. is it can, it can change the mental state that you have and put you in a different mm -hmm. place. And yep. sometimes that's all we need is we need something to reset or something to maybe um, take a breath or a spark of energy. And, mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden we're off on something new and, yeah. uh, and something that was maybe elusive to us is now right in our hands. And so in some ways, I, I, I've said this in, in other interviews that my daughter reminded me, you know, years ago that I don't, I, I don't go to the office, I go to the playground. And, okay. uh, and I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that, yeah. that it doesn't matter if you're at home, it doesn't matter where you go to, your, your mental state is a big thing that you can be a part of. And mm -hmm. so finding ways to enjoy what you're doing, to be passionate about it, to be engaged, to have fun, mm -hmm. uh, is a real cheat code in life. You know, mm -hmm. that, uh, as, as much as you can blend what it looks like to work and play, um, mm -hmm. that's going to be a, a wonderful place to spend your time. Mm, I agree. Anything that helps me question, yeah, question a thought and think maybe in a new way and yeah, help me believe that I can do something 
different or better or just new or scary or exciting. So, so I want to talk to you today about ideas. Um, and I'm just, it's hard for me to commit because so many of your books truly have come to me at exactly the right moment. So, and I didn't remember that it was 2014 necessarily, but when I first found your book, um, what do you do with an idea? It resonated a lot. And so I just, the first page, I opened it up and the first page says, one day I had an idea. So Kobe, I want to know, what do you think? How do you define an idea? What is an idea to you? Mm, what is an idea? You know, hmm, that's a, that's a great question. To me, it is a thought, a hunch, an inspiration, a, mm -hmm. a whisper, you know, through my, through my own intuition. Um, and I believe that, and the way that I wrote the book is that we have some responsibility to those ideas, to care mm -hmm. for them, to nurture them, to protect them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when an idea first comes to us, anyone, it's it's so really fragile and uh, mm -hmm. unproven, and and maybe in a situation where nobody believes in it. And so I think that you can very much. And I think people do, they, they very much make their ideas themselves too. And mm -hmm. so when you hear criticism about an idea and you hear that it's no good, you feel like you're no good and it, and it hurts. Ideas are personal. Yeah. And I think that when we think about those and we, we talk about those, it's wonderful to know. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this, uh, this story in a picture book. It's wonderful to know at a young age that that's just opinion. That's not truth. And that I wanted kids to be able to hear when someone criticizes their ideas and their creativity and really feels like they're criticizing themselves, that they could have a little better armor towards that. Um, yeah. Because I've seen adults at, uh, you know, all ages shut down and uh, not get not not bring forward more more ideas and more more thoughts to the group or to, you know, problems and solutions that need to be solved. Um, and so I think that the world's less when we don't make space for creativity and we, mm -hmm. and we don't make it a safe place. So that was thus the other reason for writing the book is for helping people to see that not only are you the one with the ideas, sometimes you're the one that's listening to the ideas and, and yes. what kind of a space do you create for that? For someone else. Okay, so here's my next agree or, agree or disagree. Some people are idea people, others are not. Mm, I disagree. I think <laughs> some people believe they're idea people and some okay. people believe they are not. Um, yeah. To me, I think that's just go farther back in their past and they probably got some criticism and judgment and embarrassment and shame around yeah. sharing ideas and being creative and that probably shut them down. Yeah. So for me, I work with women who... Um, many times we'll say, well, I don't really have good ideas. And so I'm really curious because I think you speak to these same women, um, big chunk of your audience, but what do you think? And I don't know if I can couch this question correctly, but what is in your mind, the relationship between sort of ideas at home and ideas maybe that fall more in a, I don't know, I don't even want to say work, but creativity realm. Like I just see women as being almost naturally, innately creative, problem-solving, idea people, and yet they don't see themselves that way. 
Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I do, I do. I don't know if there's a much more creative role than than motherhood and or, or a more entrepreneurial one. It's right. constantly adjusting, adapting, um, making exactly. something work, uh, turning something from nothing. Um, these are all very, very creative things. Um, I think what you're talking about is creative confidence, right? And uh, okay. not having a good, the whole concept of good is a really subjective, judgmental concept. Yeah. Let's think about it this way, Stacy. that, uh, uh, you know, most major inventions that we think are brilliant, that have been world changing, that we have adapted in our lives, mm-hmm. they might have been absolute garbage 50 years before they were accepted. Right. You know, uh, where people thought, I mean, you could imagine what someone thought of, you know, the the steam engine when they have a horse, right? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, what? Labor, I understand. Labor, I don't understand. Energy, I understand. Energy, I don't. So right. <laughs> I think that I think that um, the world's opinion is not a very good indicator of the value of an idea, mm. um, because that is a very fickle audience, mm-hmm. and it changes with time. It changes with someone else thinking it's a good idea. So I think what you're describing there is developing life skills. You know, creativity is a life skill. It's not something that we're just born with. Neither is courage, right? We have to test these things. We have to practice and practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress. Mm. And, uh, and how do we progress on something? Well, we, we do it again, right? And Mm -hmm. we, and we work at it and we improve a little and we fail at it and we get back up again. And so I'm not saying that the process is, beautiful and elegant and seamless and Mm pain-free, but it's necessary. What's the opposite of growing? It's dying. And so I think that we don't have a choice but to grow. It's so true. And, And it can be messy. I just, you know, the process can be messy and it's wrought often with failure or not, not even so much failure. I think it's just something doesn't turn out the way you thought maybe it could. And so there's some disappointment and then it's really easy to, to walk away or to say it wasn't a good idea when really there were so many other factors that were, you know, at play. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. That's the reason why I wrote the book trying, uh, it was all about, I wanted to write a book about failure. And I realized when I was writing it, I I originally was going to title it the possibility of failure. And I realized that Failure was only part of the story. Yeah, you know that the the effort goes on, and so when I finished trying, and I, and it and it went out and took its book journey. You know, it was amazing to see all of the comments coming in from kids and adults about just that. That um, failure is something that I, in my mind, I think is avoided for the wrong reasons. Uh, right. I, I completely understand the heartbreaking nature of it and the the disappointment of it, but we gain so much by trying. And mm-hmm. when it doesn't work out, we learn so much mm-hmm. and we apply so much towards where we are going to be. I think if you look at anybody that we would deem to be successful, even these sort of overnight successes that don't really exist, they're just, you didn't see the journey before that. Mm-hmm. Um, People look back, I think, and they, if, if you were to interview them uh, on the process, the, I, I, I would be shocked if you didn't have 100% of the comments saying that there was value in the setbacks. Mm-hmm. There was value in the, in the failures. They didn't always feel good, but they're grateful for them now. 
mm-hmm. because they really were instrumental. I know I can say that about my career and my life that, you know, they are highlights for play areas of growth mm-hmm. and areas of self-discovery. It's so interesting because I have said to, well, to myself, but, but to my kids, like, I, I want you to fail. <laughs> I want things to not go well because at the very least you become comfortable with that, with that failure. Like it's, I just, I keep, I just, I'm more comfortable being imperfect now because I've been imperfect for so dang long and I've made mistakes in front of people. So now I'm less worried that, you know, something's going to go wrong. Like I just know something's going to go wrong, but I can handle it. And I think that's that just keep trying and that progress that you make, it really does have more to do with your confidence, I think, than anything. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that it does that I, I really love about it is it builds our empathy and compassion for others. Well, that's for sure. You yeah. know, uh, if you only had perfect things happen to you at the perfect time in a perfect way, how would you ever relate to someone that's right. dealing with something <laughs> tough? Yeah. You know, how would you ever be able to understand and have compassion and consideration for someone that's hurting? Uh, I don't know that you could, you could, you, yeah. you know, and how would you ever be brave if only wonderful things happened to you in your whole life? It's true. Yeah. I think people say, oh, you're so relatable. And I'm like, that's just because I allow myself to be imperfect in public, you know, or to make mistakes. So that's, that's interesting. So tell me if you're willing, tell me about an idea maybe that you've, you had nurtured and, and it didn't go as you initially thought. Oh, oh, geez. So many, um, I want to know, you know, I think, one one uh, idea that we that almost bankrupted our company years ago was that we did this wonderful product called Lunch Mail, which is little notes you tuck in your kids' lunches, and yeah. um, wonderful product. And we were working with a major retailer that uh, needed it in a certain window, and all these things. And we were working with a sales group, and we were excited, and it meant a lot to our company that we didn't vet, you know, everything through. And the, so we had to have everything produced and the purchase orders never materialized and it left us with hundreds of thousands of units of something that, you know, with a season like back to school that went by. And so it, it, you know, it, took me through a journey where <laughs> I was meeting with the IRS about not shutting down the company and, you know, wow. and just, you know, on, on, you know, making payments to this and that. And so, the, you know, you, you look back and there's lots of things you would do differently, you know, with that. Mm-hmm. But I also look forward and how it instructed me and helped me to, both with the team that I assembled and myself to manage the company just so full of integrity and so full of mm-hmm. um, uh, our word, not being a day late ever on a payment to someone because that's our partner, right? Like that yeah. they have to be able to make their bills wow. and, and being just such a dependable organization from our employees to our customers to how we can lean in and make it matter to people, not just numbers, but the people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we would have had, or I know I wouldn't have had that same filter without failing to the point where it was almost all gone. Yeah. And when you get to that point, then you just like, you, I listen to you, you just go back to your roots of relationships and honoring, you know, your word. And that's kind of how you, you know, <laughs> grow out of that and then are better prepared next time. You know what? Yeah. And, and sometimes the errors are so scary or so, 
devastating. You think it basically going to going to kill the thing that you were, you know, mm-hmm. that you put so much time into. And I think the other thing, you know, that we haven't talked about as much with all of this and, and the, the sort of the big component with everything, the overlaying uh, filter is gratitude. Mm. You know, I mean, that is such an important element. It, it, uh, it's so necessary when you have any kind of success. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's such a solve for ego and hubris um, mm-hmm. and so true. entitlement um, that yeah. I think when you have gratitude for where you are, you can still enjoy some of the success, but also know that, you know, there's so much to be grateful for. And there's so many people like if you, if you think about my career or myself, there's like fingerprints all over me and all over my career of all mm-hmm. these people that have touched it and molded it and made it mm-hmm. what it was. Um, and that includes any book that you like of mine, right? Like any book mm-hmm. that's there, I didn't do by myself. You know, there's yeah. wonderful design editors yeah. and yep. and people that have helped to pack it and ship it and sell it and just display it beautifully in their store. And I mean, there's so many reasons why a book finds a reader and I think that it would be ridiculous for me to say that's the the Kobe Yamada show. It's not. It's mm-hmm. uh, there. There are so many people that have contributed to that. Well, that's your humility, you know. And I, I just recently, what's that quote by C.S. Lewis? It says, "Humility is not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less, mm-hmm. and recognizing Beautiful. that there are so many, like you say, there's just it's, there's always influences, you know, that allow you to show up and shine in a moment, and people might think it's you, but like you're always standing on someone's shoulders. I think that's awesome. Really and sometimes, cool. sometimes, Stacy, just as we go f- full circle on that. Sometimes it's the setbacks that help so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. Okay. So help me if I, if I get this wrong, but um, you mentioned already you wrote a book called Five, has a big number five on the cover. And, and it's really fun because it just asks, it just gives you space to think about what do I want? You know, what do I want in the next five years? And, um, and I read online, it says it kind of asks these questions. What do you where do you really want to go? This book celebrates the want to's, the choose to's, and the I can't wait to's in life. So that book with a big number, I again, I loved it. I just because everyone can do five, you know, just you, that's how we think so much about. We're just kind of numerical, and anyway, but this book grew as far as I know, and this is where I might be wrong. This book grew into a series, or at least there are other books. I think there's a one and a two and a seven. So I'm, I just want you to walk me through maybe that original idea. And then once you have an idea that is resonating with people, you know, what's the process then for let's add to this idea. Let's do more books with numbers. Can you just hmm. talk to me about that for a little bit. So the first, the first idea was I, 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 I loved the, the curiosity that came with a big five on the cover. And, uh, and in later iterations, we brought one of the questions around to the front, which is where will we be five years from today? And, um, and from that, it, it moved to one, which is how many people uh, does it take to make a difference? And we moved on to two and seven and 10. um, And all of them were were sibling books, so they weren't really, you know, related to each other. But there were things that, if you enjoyed this book, you might enjoy this other one. And yeah. what that means is, um, there was there are more ways to 
explore questions and activities and different things that might be a, a fun journey. So something like five was really envisioning a life you were excited about and knowing that time is moving, right? And yeah. so that yeah. was one of the uh, critical pieces of that. With the one book, it was really about significance, you know, like yeah. really a single person, a single yeah. person with passion and intention can make a substantial difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think as you look at what stitches all these books together, they were like, um, I always said to him, I said, they're not workbooks, they're playbooks. So again, mm-hmm. we're back to the work and play, mm-hmm. which is why don't we make them fun? Why don't we make them feel like something you would can't wait to do or to lean into as opposed to something you have to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that was the real orientation with uh, the Life by the Numbers um, okay. uh, series of books. But it's a great question you ask. You know, I'll, I'll go to even what do you do with an idea? I wrote that book and I and I never I didn't even know I'd write another kids book, let alone write another book in the What Do You Do series. Right. And uh, and I had a birthday, and one of the writers at Compendium, we we have this wonderful tradition where we all we give them a single birthday card and we've all written a little sentiment inside for people's birthdays Fun. and uh and she wrote you know what do you do with a birthday and uh <laughs> and i swear i just sat there with my mouth hanging open and my head exploded ah. and i was like oh my god <laughs> i could i could ask that question a different way yeah and the next day i started writing what do you do with a problem and mm-hmm. uh and, and then I went on to write, what do you do with a chance after that? And mm-hmm. so sometimes, uh, the re well, the reason for that are twofold. One is there's, there's more to explore there. And the other one is that the built audience, you know, uh, uh, what do you do with an idea? In fact, I was talking to someone this last week from one of the major publishers, um, uh, in the world. Uh-huh. And she was saying how they were talking about that book when it came out, because what was it doing beating sales records of all these other books? You know, right. it sold like 300 and some thousand copies in the first you know few months of oh it being goodness. out. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, they hadn't really heard of this publisher and it's not Random House. and It's not, you know, Penguin. It's not Simon & Schuster. What's going on? Right. And um, and so. In fact, it won an award uh, by the Library Association, and it was the only book in their history that they didn't have the ability to buy. It wasn't in their system. Oh my goodness! You know, like that's how, that's how much Compendium. <laughs> you know, I, we never we never got it reviewed, and we didn't do yeah. all these things we didn't do, and it and it still succeeded despite our uh, our ignorance mm. in the industry. But uh, but um, that is awesome. Congratulations. I just have to interrupt and say, seriously, you, yeah, it put you on the publisher map. I mean, the really big, you know, the big players, huh? That's, that's so cool. yeah, yeah, it was really, it was really interesting. And in a, and in a format, you know, with picture books, kids' picture books that we had not, not really played in much. Right. You know, uh, yeah. That wasn't something that we were doing. Um, and, and I don't know if, if I would have known all of that if I actually would have made the book that I made because it was so not the same as most picture books, you know, it went from black and white mostly to color as the idea influenced the world. Uh Um, It wasn't really just a kid's book. It was for 
you know, audiences. It's to create discussion and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully be between different generations, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, but that was all a risk. And, um, and I think that when something like that happens, um, you do look for other ways that you might be able to engage in something that is connected with people in a, in a real earnest way. And, and sometimes the answer is, nope, we just, just do that one. And sometimes the answer is, is that there's a, there's a different way we might be able to ask that question or to, um, you know, play in that arena. Yeah. Interesting. I think you should write the book. What do you do with the birthday as a woman who's getting older? <laughs> I want that book. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a great idea. What do you do with the birthday? How can you decide that it's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. It's a chance, you know, all those things that I just love all of them. They are all in my grandma library. I will tell you that for sure. And I just, I just cherish them. I'm curious what, what have you heard because of the awards and the bestseller lists and everything, but how, what are you hearing from organizations, maybe from schools, from people that really um, are in influencing children? I, this is a message that's obviously important for everyone, but I'm so excited to know what you've heard about how these three books, Idea, Problem, and Chance, have influenced young people and how they're being used maybe in, you know, really intentionally in education. Have you heard? Oh, of you know, that's been, that's been one of the, the highlights for me is that uh, the, the books have been, Gosh, they're being presented at, you know, uh, business schools um, oh, really? or okay, have, it, have awesome. adopted uh, picture books and yeah. uh, and uh, New York schools, you know, public school system, biggest in the country is has the books, you know, as their core curriculum. Um, okay, that's awesome. Uh, it's it's you know, I think Stacy, the other thing that's really neat, in, in addition to the educational and all the spaces like the Googles and the different ones that have uh, adopted the books. Um, for their adult audiences um, right. yeah. uh, is, you know, the books have been translated in over three dozen languages and oh, seeing what's happening out there in the world. Uh, you know, idea was one of, I think two or three books that was translated between Hebrew and Arabic uh, for a big oh. peace initiative um, in the wow. Middle East. Uh, it kind of goes on and on to all the the wonderful ways that uh, I'm doing a, a a talk with a bunch of groups in Turkey, you know, coming up. Um, oh, and I was I was out in the I was out in the Middle East uh, doing a children's book festival uh, uh, earlier in spring, and you know, it's it's to me one of the wonderful things. So so May Basim illustrated. What do you do with an idea? Yeah, and, I want to ask about her because talk about languages. She didn't even speak English. Yeah, so she spoke. She didn't speak any English, she, and I didn't speak any Mandarin. And we had to make a book that was a metaphor that was on a few different levels. And what it what it said to me at the end of all this process is, and we worked through a translator, that creativity doesn't belong to a certain language. Uh, you know, just like love and laughter and these wonderful yeah. things that we do as humans. And I think that's a that's a great reminder as you see all these things about divides and how we're different and how we yes. don't share opinions on things that there's so much beauty to embracing and honoring each other. And so mm -hmm. um, that's been the thing that I think is most heartening to me is to see these books flourish um, out in 
countries I've never visited, uh, mm. languages I don't speak, right. um, all places I'd like to one day. But uh, it's, you know, one of my favorite things to imagine the books being talked about in some faraway land in a language that uh, that I don't understand. I mean, that you're making the world a smaller place, Kobe. That's what you're doing, right? That's amazing. Talk about the one book. How many people does it take to change the world? That's so cool. And then I just, what I love about your work, I've said this probably already four times, but I mean, you're giving to people the very thing that you're giving them the um, something, you're helping them do what you've done in my mind. You know what I mean? And that's that obviously is, is inspiration. But I feel like I've taken so much in my little corner of the world. I've taken so much inspiration and encouragement from your work to do my work. And I think that's just, it is just has to be blossoming everywhere. So anyway. Well, and I think that is, that is the wonderful thing about humanity and inspiration and ideas and the things that we've been talking about is they build on each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for instance, with some of my books, I, I, I've, been lucky enough that they've been turned into like uh, musical theater adaptations or awesome. uh, upcoming animated film or a symphony yeah. performance or, you know, things like that. And these are brand new things, right? Like, yes, yeah. they, they, they build on something, but all brand new creatives and wonderful new talents that are doing that. And they're, it's, it's moving to see, and it isn't just my stuff. I mean, you know, anybody that, uh, uh, has ever read a book, has new thoughts and ideas, and it doesn't yeah. matter what the book is. And that that maybe spawns them to write their own or to um, move their um, education or their career in a certain direction. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be, it's funny, you said, people said they didn't have, they had ideas, but they didn't have good ideas. And, you know, I think that we really don't know Right. how good that idea is because we can't see it's yeah. it's ending it's a little bit like the pebble that drops in the in the pond if mm -hmm. we can't really see where those ripples go those ripples go you know and how far they go out and how far they touch and the interesting thing is what ripples they set off mm -hmm. and that's the that's the beauty of anything that's creative that's the beauty of anything that's generous or anything that's loving mm -hmm. is because that that hug, that comfort, that, uh, that, um, that act of kindness. We don't really know where that ends. Yeah. Mm, so awesome to talk to you. Thank you. The title of this podcast is exactly enough time because I believe there is, but I want to know, I want you to say, I, Kobe Yamada have exactly enough time for, and then fill in the blank, please. To be grateful. Hmm. <laughs> yes, always. That's funny. I, I have um, a quick a quick story. I wasn't going to share this, but I've had this thought twice now. I, I have these four sons. They're all in various stages of launching, you know, young adult men. And they all chose to serve um, a two-year mission for our church. And on that halfway point, you know, your kid's been gone a year. And when he heads out on this experience, he's looking at it as a great sacrifice. Like, I can't believe I'm giving up this and this and this and this, you know, I want to, but it's just going to be this huge sacrifice. And then at the, at their halfway points, all four of them, I sent them, you have a kit, it's a gratitude box and it has thank you notes in it. And I would send it to them and I would say, you are now at that point in this experience that you recognize that 
this hasn't been so much of a sacrifice because you've met people and you've grown and you've seen a different part of the world. And, you know, anyway, and there's just so fun. And each of them has thanked me for that. Like, thanks mom, because you're right. Right. All of a sudden, halfway through, you're realizing I'm the one that should be grateful <laughs> for, you know, for sort of what I'm giving up. So I just have to share that with you that of course you would say gratitude, Kobe, because that's, that's who you are and that's what you create, you know, in others through your very, very powerful words. Well, so. that's a, that's a, we're, we're, we're touched that we got to be a little part of your journey with your kids, but what a beautiful thing you did for them to help them just to, to think about experience and think about what they can get out of it. Oh, well, thank you. People, how do you want them to find you? You want them to go to live-inspired.com? Yeah, live-inspired.com is our, our website. Um, uh, my Instagram for me personally is live the good stuff, uh, yeah. on Instagram. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the best place to find me is, uh, at your local gift or bookstore and support yeah. them. Yes. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your work. I just appreciate, uh, on so many different levels. So you're the best. Thank you, Stacy. It's been my pleasure. So good, right? And it was truly my pleasure. Okay, you guys, thank you for listening. If you are not a part of my latest idea, which is an amazing membership called Live Your Story, don't forget that as a listener to exactly enough time, you can use the promo code LISTEN, all caps, L-I-S-T-E-N, and enjoy 30 days. Come give Live Your Story a try. And stay tuned. I'll be back soon with another episode of Exactly Enough Time.